Welcome to the Transit Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra. As a recovering workaholic, I want to explore how you can do more of what you love without burning out. I'm on a mission to promote true well-being, the contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Through interviews with savvy entrepreneurs, authors, and industry experts, we'll share insights, inspiration, and practical tips on how you can be CEO you in the business of your life. Let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transit Lounge podcast. My name is Chandra, I'm your host, and I'm excited because today's episode is another interview episode as part of the interview series of talking with women who have made significant career change to start to work for themselves after the age of 40. And today I'm excited to be speaking with the lovely Yvonne, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce, I should have checked how to pronounce your name correctly, the lovely Yvonne, um, about your road. So hello, Yvonne. How do we say your, your name properly? Hi, Chandra. First of all, thank you so much for having me on, on the podcast. I'm really excited. That's my first podcast. So oh, great. bear with me. Really excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my last name is a tricky one. It's Flieger. Um, I'm, I'm from yeah, Flieger. I'm from Germany originally, mm-hmm. although it's not a very common name. But everyone's struggling with that, so yeah. that's fine. <laughs> okay, <laughs> excellent. You you uh, made it sound easy. <laughs> now, Avon, I am really excited with speaking. I'm excited and looking forward to speaking with you today because I'm really interested, particularly in the sort of niche that you're working in now, but I want to find out about the process of how you've landed where you are now and potentially where to next for you. So to Mm -hmm. to set us off, maybe could you just explain what is it that you used to do for work professionally and what do you do now? Okay. Okay. So what I, let's start with what I do now. Um, so I'm a digital marketing and advertising consultant. Um, and I've only been doing that for a few months now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very focused on working with what I call conscious organizations. So that's those who are already doing a lot when it comes to environmental sustainability. They're looking at the social impact, et cetera. And basically want to make this world a better place. So I'm trying to really work with those organizations and mm-hmm. they can be small to medium size um, enterprise, but also social enterprise or not-for-profit. Um, what I did before, um, so it, my background is actually in di- digital advertising. So mm-hmm. a very long time ago, I started in paid search. So even more niche, um, Google ads, um, Yahoo search ads back at that time. Yeah. Um, and then over the years, um, yeah, it expanded a bit more into broader digital advertising, really. That's been my focus. So I've worked... Um, in the corporate world my whole life um, for different companies, large companies like Yahoo or Adobe, um, smaller agencies and also large media agencies. And over the years, um, I've always been very client-focused and client-facing, but um, at some point I moved into a more internally-focused um, role, which was looking at business operations and really looking at how we can make basically the teams and the clients' lives easier. Uh-huh. So it's been a bit of a journey. Yeah, but it does sound like you are, you know, an an advertising and marketing specialist that you've been doing that for a long time and now you're bringing or you've transferred that experience into uh, setting up and running your own business. So you're really drawing on a lot of experience by the sounds of it. 
Yes, yeah, that's like over 16 years or so, or actually more. I ran my first paid search campaign before Google even existed. That was in Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that was still when I was studying, so a very long time ago, and then professionally I've been doing it since 2003. Yeah. Wow. So Who even knew there was a time before Google? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, Yvonne, if you were working, you know, in that industry, and obviously it's an industry that you enjoy because you're still doing it now, what was happening or what caused you to make the decision to leave the corporate world to go out on your own? Was there something that led you to that or how did that transition happen? Um, it's been a bit of a process. And honestly, for a long time, I wasn't sure if I really wanted to go on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very passionate about the environment and personal sustainability. So I've been on a zero-waste journey since 2014 or so. Um, I've always been very conscious about what I buy and what I consume, how I eat, um, the waste I produce. Yeah. Um, and over the years, that's become yeah, more and more part of who I am and what I do. It's actually working in a corporate environment and especially the last three years working for a media agency was just so not in line with my personal values. <laughs> yes, because I imagine um, when you're working in uh, an agency, even a smaller agency, um, there would be a range of clients with a range of different products and different, I guess, approaches to their things like packaging and mm. operations and production and things like that. So was that something that contributed to you starting to question? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the questioning had even started before because, honestly, that last move into um, the media agency side wasn't a voluntary one. Uh So the funny thing throughout all of my career is literally every single company I've worked for has been acquired by another one. So that started. (laughs) It's really funny. So my first job I started, I was back in Germany where I'm from originally, I started working there that week. The company was acquired by Yahoo. Um, the first week you started? first week I started there. Yahoo <laughs> heard that you started and they're like, we've got to grab this exactly. <laughs> So that was the first one. And then it happened actually three more times here in Australia. So There's last- definitely some kind of theme here, Yvonne. There is, I know. It's, it's really funny. I was saying, yeah, I'm, I'm saying to my friends, wherever I start working, the company will be acquired at some point. So... Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so I've been through a lot of change, uh, mostly good. So mostly it's been it's been really interesting. That's also why I've stayed so long in the industry, I think, because I've been able to experience different companies, different areas. So I've worked, yeah, agency first or publisher side, then agency, then more on the tech side um, throughout that time at Adobe mm. and then back to the agency side again. So I've experienced a lot. I've been in different roles. I've worked with a lot of different people. A lot of different clients. Um, so it, it's been really interesting overall, yeah. <laughs> so that range of experience is really going to, I imagine, have been quite interesting for a while and set you up with some good experience. But you were starting to tell me before I jumped in and interrupted you <laughs> about the, the last acquisition that your move into the media space wasn't a voluntary one. So that was another acquisition Yes, that was Process. another acquisition. Um, that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully the last one for a while. Um, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. But as, as you mentioned before, um, and, and I was talking about, yeah, the roles or companies not necessarily aligning that much with my values. Um, media agencies do work with fast-moving consumer goods companies, mm. um, automotive industries, etc. So 
Um, while I wasn't necessarily client-facing because I was already in a more internally focused operations role, it's still, I, I just couldn't really do it, keep doing it. It's just, I can't really support a company that's working with those companies that I, I'm not necessarily thinking a lot of. <laughs> yes. And um, so how did the actual decision, because you said earlier that you questioned for a while whether or not you wanted to go out on your own. So how did that sort of questioning and decision-making come about for you? I think it was about finding the right time and really getting my head around if I want to do it on my own Mm -hmm. and if I can actually do it on my own, if I have that entrepreneurial streak that you need. (laughs) Yeah. So what process did you go through to reflect on that did you just you know think about it or did you do anything to help you make that decision so big thing that really motivated me so the good thing about that last acquisition was that I was able to negotiate to work four days a week instead of five uh-huh. so I used that extra day or well, not necessarily extra day but that free spare day that I had um, to get involved in a local food cooperative. Um, Ah. It's actually the Manly Food Co-op. So it's an organic bulk food store that Mm -hmm. has a very strong zero waste philosophy and based in Manly on Sydney's northern beaches. And at that time, they were really struggling financially. Um, They were started, the the co-op was basically close to closing after 20 years and it's a cooperative. So it's really community owned. It's there to help the community eat healthy and with environment um, in mind. So I got involved in a crowdfunding campaign. We raised over $52,000 in just two weeks, which was insane. Um, Wow. And then after that, um, yeah, we started. And that was another journey, really a journey over the last two years to really bring the call back to a good financial standing. Um, And we managed to do that by moving location. And now it's actually really striving which is nice so I was very involved um, on the board I was secretary for a while and I was running all of the marketing during that time mm-hmm. and it's a mostly volunteer run organization so I learned so much during that time and I had so much fun and it was really I could see whatever I'm doing and all the experience I have and that the expertise I can use to help that co-op what difference that made yes so I was really at a point where I'm like okay why am I working in a corporate environment, there's so much more I could do. <laughs> yes, I've got my, this one day a week where I'm just loving channeling all my expertise to help something I believe in. And then for four days, I go and sell my soul. <laughs> That's what I'm Almost. imagining for you. <laughs> <laughs> Almost, yeah. 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 And so then you got to the point where you decided, hey, I'm going to make this move. Yes. So um, another benefit of having been through all these acquisitions was that I was actually granted my long service leave. (laughs) So I took that last year, that was last March, almost three months. Um, And that was, I really used that time. First of all, I was traveling. I went to Japan where I had never been before and I just loved it. Um, But really used that time to really think about what I want to do. What can I do? Do I want to go on my own or not? Um, Mm And after those three months, I came back and a few days after I resigned (laughs) without really having a plan. Um, Uh So I was still working for the next three months. Um, And then um, I also made the decision together with my partner to actually leave Sydney where we'd lived for the last 12 years and move up to Queensland. Mm -hmm. Because our dream has always been to 
live in a slightly warmer yes. region. Yes, I um, be close to the water, ideally go off grid at some point. Um, so yeah, we made that decision. So I quit my job, <laughs> didn't have anything to really <laughs> yeah, get started with um, and moved to a completely different area. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, but we did it and I'm actually happy I did it. Um, and yeah, there's, there's been challenges, but it's also been fun. Yeah, great. And look, I think what you've described is something that I think a lot of people imagine or would love to do one day, but don't necessarily get to the point of making the decision and taking the action. So I just want to really acknowledge you for following through and go, well, look, this is something that we've, we aspire towards. And if we're going to do it, then let's do it. So I, I think that's amazing. But, Thank but you. What, what were some of the challenges do you think that you have faced in making that transition from a, you know, reliable, uh, theoretical, secure income to moving states and starting your own thing? What do you think were some of the big challenges that you've had to work through? Um, Probably a couple. Um, So initially, it's hard to start something new when you're in a completely new area as well. Mm. And we're in the northern part of Brisbane at the moment, where it's very quiet. um, Yeah. And it's a very different population compared to what I was used to in, in Manly. Yes. Um, so that was the first one. Um, mm-hmm. On the other hand side, that helped me be more focused because I didn't have all those uh, distractions. Distractions, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I think what I underestimated was all the admin side and operational side to actually set up a business. Mm-hmm. Um, although I do have an operations background and a project management background, I think there's just so many little things you need to consider like contracts, um, legal things, do I need insurance, um, where do I register my business name, all of those things. Yes. It just took me a lot longer than I would have thought. And I think, especially the branding, because <laughs> um, the business name I registered is Bewitched. Um, yeah, okay. Like, yeah, Bewitched just without the first E. So mm-hmm. be business and witched. Yes. Um, and I think I've just been playing around with it for so long and I just wanted to do it. And since I started the business, I've been trying <laughs> to get my messaging <laughs> and any content right in a way that, kind of seems magical <laughs> kind yes. of enchanting mm-hmm. so um yeah that's probably the challenge I think the branding side has been more of a challenge because I come from a performance advertising digital background so it's all about delivering orders delivering yeah performance so mm-hmm. um the branding side is really something I need to get my head around Yes. And it that whole uh front end setup I'm so glad you raised it because it's something I've actually been looking at recently for some of my clients that I work with who are, you know, in the process of starting and growing a business that we can fall into the trap a little bit of the brochure of people saying, oh, it's so easy to work for yourself. You can just be, you know, living by the beach and you just have your laptop and you can create this amazing thing. And it's like, okay, yes, it can in some ways be so much easier to start a business and, you know, to create a blog or or a website and say, hey, I've, I've got a business. And there are a lot of other things that need to be done. And I think it doesn't serve anyone to not be aware that there, you know, there is a lot of stuff that's involved in the setup. Um, And also to not let that stop you or hold you back. They're just things Mm. that need to be ticked off the list 
and then, you know, you can get into it. So I think it's an interesting one to balance between awareness that there's things that need to be done and also not holding back for too long, trying to get everything perfect before you just get out there and start testing the idea in the market because things will shift from what you originally think you're going to do or want to do as you get more feedback and you work with different clients. So, but I think it's a really good one that holds literally that startup phase. Um, there's, there's stuff to do. It's not just, you know, register a domain name and off you go. <laughs> oh, yeah, so true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. Also the point that you were just saying around really being sure about what you're going to do because um, originally I didn't really want to do a lot of digital advertising and marketing consulting. Okay, because <laughs> I was going to ask you how clear you were about your idea. <laughs> I mean, that's my background and that's, in a way, it's the easiest way to get started with your own business because you know you have expertise in that area. So it's, it's a lot easier to gain trust and, and clients. But um, so what I was always trying to do is really combine the experience I've gained over all those years with my passion for protecting the environment, living sustainably. And originally I actually had three ideas that I thought, oh, maybe I can do all three of them at the same time, which obviously (laughs) is impossible. Well, you're talking to a Gemini, so I will always look for the way to have more than one idea. However, it's not necessarily the best approach. So you had three different ideas. Yeah. So one actually came out of my travel to Japan, um, and that's quite a specific thing. Um, so not sure if you how much you know about Japan and the tea ceremonies and the whole culture around it, but not they do so serve <laughs> they do serve sweet treats that are called bagashi. Mm-hmm. They're made of bean paste, which doesn't sound too enticing, but they're the most intricate beautiful and delicious things you could ever imagine. Um, they're often shaped um, yeah, resembling flowers depending on the season. They're just absolutely beautiful and intricate. Um, mm. And I did a, a class while I was there and I just fell in love. And I love that taste as well. It doesn't taste of beans at all. If you didn't know it was bean-based, you wouldn't have any idea. Okay. More and more has like a marzipan kind of sweet, really beautiful, kind of. sweet um, taste. And it, it's very intricate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got so excited about that. I'm like, oh, there's not much here in Australia. Maybe I can start with market stalls, etc. But once I really started realizing how much work actually goes into producing these little pieces, <laughs> um, it just very quickly became, it's probably at some point when I have a lot of time and just want to have fun, I might mm-hmm. be looking into that. Yes. <laughs> but it's probably not a great long-term business strategy. Right. Um, the other thing was really looking at, so I'd also done some coaching training, mm-hmm. um, business coaching, a bit of personal coaching. Um, and originally I was actually keen to combine that with sustainability coaching. Yes. Um, so really helping people become more sustainable, live in a more sustainable way um, through coaching. And that idea is still there. So that's something I'm definitely looking into, but definitely a few years down the track, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also depending on my living situations, et cetera, because I think there's a lot of big ideas behind it, but at the moment it's just not the right time for it. Yeah. So I ended up focusing on what I know, which is digital advertising and marketing. 
Yeah, great. And look, it's really great you've shared that because I think it's quite common that when women especially have had a successful career and they're starting to look at, I want to do my own thing, I want to, you know, be doing work that I believe in, I want to have a, a certain level of flexibility and freedom that suits the lifestyle that I want, it's common to have potentially a few different ideas of how they might do that. And it's great that you sort of have just explained how you assessed the viability of those ideas because there's no shortage of ideas. Mm. What there is a shortage of is successful, consistent implementation. And so <laughs> you've got to be able to choose something that you can get started with. And exactly as you've said, over time, things potentially will evolve, you'll refine what you're doing, and there's some things that might fall into something that might be more of a hobby or a, a charity community contribution that you do because you love something compared to it being a business idea because you do need to still be looking at, well, look, I've got to be able to do this, I've got to be able to scale this and I've got to be able to make money from this because otherwise it's not really a business. Yeah, so true. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's good that you've gone um, down that path and as well as, as you mentioned earlier, the credibility that you can literally transfer from all of your previous experience into what you're doing now um so what about how did other people in your life react when you said I'm stepping out of the corporate big city life and I'm going to do my own thing were people surprised did they were they supportive how did other people respond um most of my friends and colleagues weren't surprised at all okay (laughs) actually Mm -hmm. um because everyone really knows about yeah, my passion for the environment um, and my own personal lifestyle. So when, when I made that decision and, and told everyone, everyone was super supportive. It was like, mm. yes, finally. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, yeah, it was all positive in the mm-hmm. end, really. Um, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, which is really nice. That's good. It's good when people, especially when I guess people can see a genuine passion that you have and they can be excited for you that you're going to you know, focus a bit more energy in that, that side of things. What about, so you're, you're relatively new in this transition. You're in your first six months or so, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And so what about any observations that you can make at this point on things that are support that you perhaps needed or would have benefited from reaching out for? Anything coming to mind for you? I think I'm, generally I'm someone who loves and prefers to do things herself and, and yes. try to figure things out myself mm-hmm. so from that perspective there's a lot of information around starting your own business even on government sites um, blogs there's plenty of Facebook groups etc so there's a lot of information out there so it's in a way it's easy to find what you're looking for but it can also be very overwhelming yes but I think looking back I think I've done it I'd probably do it in a similar way again if mm-hmm. I were to ever start a business again. Um, and especially now I know a lot more. <laughs> yes. Um, but I think a big, probably my biggest challenge is really more the selling side of things. Um, right. That's not necessarily my strength. So I've been lucky so far that all my clients have been coming in through referrals, mm-hmm. which is absolutely amazing. It's so um, great. It's great feedback it's, for you that you're doing really great things. Yeah, absolutely. But when I'm looking at where I'm at now, I'm probably not yet where I would have liked to be at this stage. But then mm-hmm. also looking at the whole 
COVID situation. I mean, no one had predicted that. So I'm not, it, it's fine where I am. Um, but it's probably been, yeah, a bit more challenging, really growing at the speed I would have liked. Um, yeah. And I think yeah, that's but, a, yeah. sorry, keep going. No, I, I was just saying um, the selling side of things is, yeah, I, I always knew I'm not necessarily a salesperson, but um, when you're running your own business, you need to be very aware that you need to do your own selling and you need to be out there. You need to go networking. You need to make all those connections. Mm. So I've, I've learned that and I'm getting better at it, <laughs> Good. but it's still not my strength and it probably will never be, but that's fine. Yeah. And look, it's a, it's a really common one that particularly for women and particularly when you're selling either a product or a service that, that is yours I, I really have seen as a common theme over the years that I've been working with women in business that there is there's some kind of resistance not for everyone but for many women and that it is just part of the process of having a business that there has to be a process of creating sales and that is a combination of marketing to create awareness and lead generation and then having a process that you can step people through that converts those leads into being a client and to try to get to a point where you can feel comfortable with that and the conversations that you're having. And one thing that I think was very useful for me was to change the mindset that I had around sales and selling and to really shift into seeing that actually selling isn't pushy, selling is helping someone solve a problem. And I think for you, especially because you're helping people solve a problem that they have that will, you know, impact their business, but you're also contributing that when they um, solve that problem, more people get their products and services, which helps the planet more. So for you to potentially hook into that fact that, you know, your biggest contribution to the world will actually come from you getting in front of and allowing people the opportunity to buy from you. <laughs> So yeah, that's beautiful you be, said. <laughs> it can be just useful perhaps to look at it more around the ripple effect and that for you as someone who's passionate about what you do to see that for you to contribute the biggest ripple effect, the more people you can talk to, the more people that become aware of, of you and what you offer, then your imprint gets way bigger. So, you know, it can just shift from feeling like I'm trying to push something onto someone um, and instead, it, it being that you're giving people the opportunity to really get their brand, their product out to more people, which improves the planet. Yes, I I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I, you know, we all have to get to a point of you know figuring out the the sales approach that we will have, and you know, because that's how you know you build a business. Without sales, a business isn't going to be around too long. You know, for, for most people. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's that's an interesting one. And so if people are um, interested in, in finding out about the work that you do, can you just tell us, like, you know, what are the types of businesses or brands that you work with and what do you help them do? Mm -hmm. So currently I work with, um, interestingly, mostly product-based businesses. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I'm now starting to work with a not-for-profit and social enterprise as well, but actually helping them sell a product to that will also be donated um, to women in need. Um, 
So that, that, that's Great. a nice combination. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's mostly small to medium-sized business um, with a focus on doing as good as they can when it comes to the environment and the impact they're having. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sustainably and ethically produced products, ideally made in Australia, um, and especially that Australian-made aspect is, has become quite important at the moment, um, mm-hmm. especially over the last few months. Um, yes. So that's actually a big benefit at the moment of being Australian-based. Owned. For sure. And, yeah, I, I just love working with them because I know that our values and ethics really align. Um, they want to do better. They're always looking for ways to improve. Um, and, yeah, I know that I'm helping them to grow. Um, mm-hmm. And at the moment I'm actually doing mostly um, helping them with their digital advertising, so social and search advertising. Yeah. Um, but I'm really looking into broadening that out into broader marketing consulting as well. But at the moment, yeah, it's actually funnily on, on the advertising side. And you could argue that there's a lot of bad things about advertising, right? But when I think about it, if it's about getting the word out about a product that is good, that is long-lasting, that is ethically made, um, I think there's definitely um, room for advertising. <laughs> yes, for sure. Because the thing is that you know, someone could have the best, most environmentally friendly, sustainable, effective product in the world, but if no one knows they exist, then how does that help their business grow or help the planet? And so that's where exactly. I think it is. It's that that um, you know, advertising is really just uh, it's about awareness so that people can make uh, informed choice that I think more and more people are wanting to buy Australian more and more people are wanting to buy products that are at least not damaging the environment if not good for the environment (laughs) so I think you know you're part of that um, ethical food chain really in relation to the products that you're helping you know increase the awareness of yes oh yeah I, I completely agree yeah yeah so if people want to find out more about you and what it is that you do where should they go how do they get in touch with you yeah, so I've got a website um, which is called bewitched.com.au. So BW without the first E. <laughs> yep. And then I've got a Facebook and Instagram presence as well, um, bewitched2020. Not sure if choosing <laughs> this year's um, 2020 in my um, social profile was such, such a good idea, but it was when I started my yes. business. Yeah. And I still think it can only get better at this stage, right? So. Yes. Yes, yes, so that's where you can find me. And if you're interested in my sustainability journey, um, I'm also my personal account is on Instagram, sustainability queen with an underscore, where I'm posting, yeah, my zero waste journey, tips and tricks. Um, and there's some exciting stuff coming soon as well around because we're starting to build a tiny house. So oh, great. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So people that are interested in that can follow you your journey on Insta. Yes. Yeah, great. And as you, you mentioned earlier about the um, one of the other business ideas that you had around utilising your coaching skills to perhaps support people on their zero waste um, journey, and I feel like everything that you're doing now is just still building that foundation and positioning you as someone that does, you know, walk the walk around this. You're not just jumping on a bandwagon. So there's definitely, you know, opportunity for you down the track to be, you know, adding that into the mix of what you do or pivoting to that if you got to that stage. So I think it's all very exciting. It is, definitely. <laughs> so as we finish up, uh, are there any other tips 
that you have got for uh, either your young, younger self or for someone who perhaps is, you know, at that stage where they're feeling whether it's a values conflict, that was certainly something that came up for me in my last corporate job was a real sense of the way the company was operating, the direction that they were going just did not align with what I really believed in. So I think values conflicts can sometimes be a, a catalyst for people questioning their work situation. But if someone's listening, mm. they're thinking about maybe doing their own thing, but they've got concerns and questions about it. Any any thoughts or tips for them? Yes, absolutely. I think looking back, um, I think from my perspective, I just say, do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, and if you don't want to take the big steps straight away, that's absolutely fine because I started like with small steps, different steps um, before, maybe look for something that really aligns with your passion and values yeah, and see if you can do something outside of your job or if you could even bring some of those values into your business. Mm-hmm. Um, that entrepreneurial side of things, I think it's very important as well. Although you're part of a big corporation, there's still so many things you can influence and yes. maybe there's an opportunity to run a volunteer-based team that is focused on diversity and inclusion or sustainability or really working with HR teams and leadership teams on things that you're really passionate about. Yes. And that could be a good first step, even just helping yeah, improve the work environment you're in um, until they're really ready to take that next step. And maybe you can influence things to a degree that actually makes you a lot happier to stay where you are. You never yeah. Know. I think that is a really great approach and it can work admittedly it doesn't work for everyone depending on the Mm. type of company they're working in but for a lot of people it can be a great first step to just that toe in the water of exploring a passion or or something that you know they really believe in to see if there are ways to bring it into the workplace and it also helps to build up a bit of confidence I think if for example if you do head up you know whether it's in-house meditation sessions that you run Mm. or you know craft things or whatever the thing is that you love or as you say sustainability um all of that gives you experience to draw on to figure out how you feel about doing that and spending more time doing that the hurdles that you might face but also great stories for when you do decide to go and do your own thing that that can become an interesting initial case study so I think there's there's no downside in at least exploring that as an option Mm, absolutely Mm. anything else that comes up for you one thing I didn't ask that I do often ask in this interview because I think it's one of those taboo subjects that we don't talk about much um, (laughs) is what part if any did money have in your decision to make the move was that something that you were concerned about or what approach did you take around the financial side of things So because I've worked in the corporate world for so long, I've been able to build a nice, um, to build some good savings. Um, So I was in a position where I could actually make the call. And even if my business is not not successful or it takes me a lot longer, I still have that little bolster I can turn to if I need to. Yeah, great. Um, So I I wasn't too concerned about money in the first place. and I'm I'm still not, um, yeah. <laughs> but also I'm I don't really mind risk that much. So mm-hmm. I'm probably a bit more risk um, pr- 
prone or yeah risk positive yeah. <laughs> than, than other people mm-hmm. but I think it definitely helps if you know you have some savings you can tap into if you need to um, it makes it a lot easier to make that decision to go on your own and I think my the benefit of what I'm doing is also it's a digital based business so I can work from everywhere um, mm-hmm. and work with my clients actually none of my clients are based in Brisbane so it's it's a loss uh, sorry a lot more cost efficient to actually set up a business like that because yeah there's not a lot of hard costs you don't need to invest in products or manufacturing etc so it makes it a lot lot easier to make that decision yeah yeah and I think that you know that's a really good part of that initial review or or analysis of okay if I'm going to do my own thing is is some realistic views on what it's going to cost you in that startup phase and how long it will take potentially to get your first client to become profitable, to be able to pay yourself. And I think that's something that can be underestimated. And if you don't have some kind of financial buffer, then the financial pressure is going to kick in and that will impact everything else in the business in terms of your creativity, in terms of what you can invest in that might help you grow. And so I'm a real fan of encouraging people to be you know, really thinking about what's their financial strategy to make sure that they're not going to be expecting their first business idea to fly straight away and to be, you know, replacing their, you know, corporate level income, you know, within a a short amount of time. Sometimes people are able Mm -hmm. to do that, but it's better to go in with a nice healthy buffer than to need income to come in straight away. Yeah, I think it also makes decisions a lot easier if you're not always looking at money and oh can I invest that should I do that training or sign up to that webinar whatever it is um and honestly I think you should you need to invest in yourself and in your business so if you've got that financial freedom it makes it a lot easier yeah and you know as you say good point about you know the decision to invest in certain things and trainings I think you know doing the due due diligence of, you know, what the training is and what the outcomes are. Um, And often I see people that are starting out and, as you said, there's lots of free information out there, but, my goodness, it can be really overwhelming. You know, you you might Mm. hunt it all down, but it's like this seemingly never-ending rabbit hole versus (laughs) actually finding someone or a program or a training that can actually guide you on what are the steps that you need to focus on right now don't worry about anything else down the track yet. You've got to get these things in place. That is invaluable to organize that process so that you're not fluffing around and wasting too much time. But you've got to be willing to invest in that. Um, or if you don't invest in it, just know it's going to take you a lot longer to figure it out on your own. So it's kind of like, again, comes back to that. If you've got money to invest, then it can help you to make the right decisions for where you're at and keep moving you forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any other final thoughts? No, I just wanted to thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to speaking to you and sharing my experience. Um, I think, yeah, going on your own, starting your own business is definitely worth doing. Um, Yes, it's not always easy (laughs) and there will be more challenges down the way, but it's also very, yeah, it's such a nice feeling especially when when I'm looking at my clients and I'm I'm running campaigns for them and I see they've been successful it makes me proud um, and it's such a nice feeling to see that you're actually making a difference 
And it's a lot easier when you're doing your own business than when you're part of a larger corporation and you're doing your little niche thing somewhere. So, yeah, I, I think it's definitely worth doing um, and persevering through all those challenges. Um, yes. But there's a lot of light as well. <laughs> yes, and I think it's so good that you shared that because there is something that is extra special when you can see a client achieve a certain outcome that you've had a part in helping them with and it's a client that you love, a client that you believe in, there's something incredibly rewarding about that that is different from the feeling of of feeling proud and and um, that rewarding feeling that you might get in a job. And so, yeah, just despite all the hurdles, I still am a fan that for the right <laughs> people with the right kind of plan uh, and the right kind of attitude and mindset, doing your own business is a fantastic road to go down. So thank you so much for sharing your insights around your your first six months in uh, going down this road. And I'm really excited about the work that you're doing and I can see great potential for you to continue to grow. So I look forward to seeing how the rest of 2020 unfolds for you. Thank you so much, Chandra. Thanks, Yvonne. So that's it for another episode of the Transit Lounge podcast. But if you are at a point where you have an idea and you feel like the next phase of your work life is going to be you working for yourself, then one of the first things that you really, really need to get sorted is the money side of things. And I'm not just talking about figuring out how much money it's going to cost you to get a logo or and a website done. I'm talking about you and how you handle the money side of your work and life. And to get you started on that, one of the things that you need to know is that there are actually five money zones. And these are five aspects of your life that influence how you think, feel and act around and with money, how much you earn, what you do with the money that you earn, how it helps you or holds you back. There's a whole relationship that you have with money. So if you're going to create a successful, thriving business that gives you the sort of freedom and lifestyle that you want to enjoy, then you really need to know what the five money zones are and which one of the five zones you need to work on first based on your unique situation in order to have the biggest positive impact on how much money you earn and keep. And you can discover all about the money zones right now in an easy five-minute money breakthrough quiz that I've created that you can get your hands on right now at thetransitlounge.com forward slash money quiz. I'll put a link in the show notes for you as well, but it's thetransitlounge.com forward slash money quiz. And I really do encourage you to go and check it out because if you can get your money side of things sorted, then trust me, everything else becomes so much easier for you to start and grow your own business. When you don't have the money side sorted, it tends to be the fastest handbrake to your creativity and your business growth. So go do that now. You've got nothing to lose. Go do the quiz, figure out your money zones and go have a great week. See you next week.